You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podcast. 25 yard line off the fake to Goldman. Jones pass is caught by Evan Ingram, still going down the sideline. Evan Ingram will take this all the way. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. Stanley Cup champions, Grump. Back-to-back, Grump. Two-time defending Cup champs. That is my Tampa Bay Lightning. My my throat is hoarse right now, not only because we just did an hour-long podcast that we didn't actually record, but still celebrating our big victory last Wednesday night and our big boat parade today. So for all you Islander and Ranger fans out there, 1983 for one of you, 1994 for the other of you, two in a row for me. So take that. You know, I was going to say that he's going to be the insufferable fan today, but I got to say, two back-to-back is uh, impressive in any sport, uh, except for maybe basketball. Um, but, you know, two Stanley Cups in a row, you got you to gotta give it up to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um Especially in the conditions of the last couple of years. I mean, last year we, they played in that bubble. Everything was up in Canada. You know, this year was a shorter off season than normal. They try to consolidate the schedule to get back on a regular rotation. Uh, I don't want to hear any whining and bitching from any of you about the salary cap because the Lightning were within the rules. They bent the rules, didn't break them, but there was some definite bendage. Uh, but... Yeah, they kept their core, and they're the best team in hockey. They've been the best team in hockey for the last five years. And uh, it's it's special that you know this team is going to be remembered for, for repeating, which doesn't happen very often in professional sports anymore. I don't care about the Lightning, <laughs> but I care even less about soccer, so I don't even care. I opened Twitter today, and I just closed it because I was scrolling through, and I just kept seeing idiots in the street crying and holding jerseys. Get over it. Jesus Christ, man. I have witnessed um, one losing Super Bowl for the Giants where they got demolished and two wins and I didn't shed a single fucking tear. Not one. I don't care. Well, that, well here's the thing is that soccer probably has the most passionate fans of any sport. Where are you talking about? I, 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 I agree All with that. All around the world. Yes. And in North Bergen... Videos of the people I was watching, I seriously doubt, are as avid fans of soccer as anything else. Agreed. That's all. And that's why I had to close Twitter today. So I'm just in a shit mood because I didn't get to talk sports with people on the internet, which is what I usually like to do. I just got too frustrated (laughs) and closed that shit. Um, And that's kind of the downside to July, right? I mean, otherwise, this is like my favorite season of the year. I like going on vacation. I like the beach. You know, I love all that stuff, but football is in a total dead spot. You know, right now there's not a whole lot to talk about unless you are in in trouble, right? I mean, unless you have players in trouble, players hurt. Um, we just spent we just spent 40 minutes talking about soccer, hockey, and baseball on the Just Giants podcast. So to prove your point, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we're going to continue down our, our positional breakdown here, and this is actually one of the more interesting ones to talk about. So we're going to talk about tight ends and wide receivers today. I mentioned on um, last um, last week's episode how the fullback roster and how you build your roster and if you carry a fullback or not tends to coincide with 
how you set up your tight ends because they're somewhat interchangeable in the way the NFL uses fullbacks and tight ends now. The, the positions have evolved a little bit in that sense. Um, and the Giants are in a weird spot right now. They have two fullbacks on the roster, and they have seven tight ends on the roster right now. And, you know, we think that the tight ends are going to be that upper group of Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, Caden Smith, and Levine Toilolo because they were all used extensively last year. The money makes sense. The contracts make sense. It doesn't make sense to cut any of those guys based on playing time, contracts, and money. So we think it's going to be those four. But even carrying four tight ends is a little tough to swing. Um, so I think that's really interesting. So, you know, it comes down to uh, – and I don't want to leave out guys who are technically on a 90-man roster because that's an accomplishment in itself. But Rice and John, Cole Hikutini, and Nakia Griffin-Stewart, those are the other three tight ends currently on the roster for the Giants. Um I don't know. Do you think they swing full ahead with four tight ends on this roster? I think this organization, first of all, has to figure out what they want to do with Evan Ingram before even they make the decision of how many they're going to keep. Well, okay. What are you going to do with Evan Ingram? We'll take it We'll take it name by name. We'll start with Evan Ingram. Tell me if you're going to keep him and why you would and um, what arguments are kind of making it difficult for you. I am keeping Evan Ingram right now. I'm giving him kind of a clean slate because I think his role is going to change from what it was before to what it is now. I mean, Evan Ingram has all the physical tools that you're looking for in a, in a tight end, a guy who can make plays. I think most of his problem last year was in between the ears. You know, the, the drops in critical times, I think that was mostly mental. I think he may be a guy that just maybe, you know, too much is expected of him in this offense, you know, very limited weapons on this team last year. You know, uh, receiving-wise, no Saquon Barkley. Uh, he was probably relied on more than, you know, what he really, you know, in a more balanced offensive attack would be. So I think now that, you know, we've gotten so many more weapons, either returning from injury, free agency, through the draft, a year where this offense is together, you know, a real offseason to kind of, you know, for the offensive line to, to gel and get bigger and stronger and better. Uh, Jason Garrett probably putting out his real offense as opposed to just one that had to be kind of cobbled together last year. I kind of want to give him a bit of a, a clean slate and see what he can do. So I am keeping him. I think if he, you know, figures it out and kind of relaxes a little bit. I think he can be a very dangerous, maybe second option, if not third option on this offense. He's still, I mean, the, the rest of the league still thinks enough of him that he was somehow voted to be a pro bowler last year. So it's there. The, you know, the, the physical tools, the ability is there. It's just getting his shit straight. And I think the opportunity is there. And I'm not, I'm not ready to give up on him. And I was a very vocal critic of him last year. Um, but I think the situation has changed. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying you keep him. I mean, I've been a vocal critic of the draft pick, you know, going all the way back then. He was not real high on my list of guys that I wanted. Uh, I was really disappointed when he was drafted. But I've been, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's not a talented guy or that he doesn't have traits that 
are difficult to find in other tight ends. You know, some wide receivers don't have some of his strengths. So, you know, I'm keeping Evan Ingram as well. I mean, the contract makes sense. He's in his fifth year. You're not going to get anything for him. You know, cutting him is is not really going to help you financially. Uh, and you lose a talented player. I mean, there's no tight end of the guys I listed that's more talented, that, that brings the skill set that he brings to the table. I know we can joke and laugh about, it's not, or maybe you're not joking and laughing, maybe you're legitimately mad um, about you know his falters last year, and you know to uh, even say that he's been a disappointment in his entire career so far, that's fine. But the fact remains, not one tight end on this roster has the speed that he does and does the things that he does uh, running routes. Uh, and, and quite frankly, you know, we joke that he can't block, and he's not a very good blocker, but where he is as a blocker now is just, like, I would say just below average versus when he came into the league, he was atrocious. So the work ethic is obviously there for this guy. He is a much improved blocker from when he came into the league. He's not, I would say, he, his lowlights of blocking aren't even close to as bad as the lowlights of Eric Flowers blocking. And that's a guy whose whole job it is to block. Um, I know I'm comparing apples and oranges, but what I'm saying is that it's not horrendous to the point of like cutting. Um, and and also, you know, a lot of his failures last year, you know, at the time, I'd never really felt like he was utilized correctly. But Jason Garrett's offense of you know the short stuff and over the middle of the field. It lends itself to tip passes and interceptions. It's still not Jason Garrett's fault that Evan Ingram can't catch. So this is not me shoving any blame off of him. It's just simply, I think if Evan Ingram were utilized correctly, we can complain about drops and and missed catches and things like that, but we wouldn't be like on fire with rage for the poorly timed interceptions that bounce off of his fingertips. It just wouldn't happen. you know, a lot of these times, these, like, second and goal from the fucking nine-yard line tip pass to Evan Ingram is intercepted is totally different than a tip pass to Evan Ingram that falls incomplete just based on the route tree. So I don't think it makes any sense to get rid of Evan Ingram because you don't have really any talent that fills that role back up. And having a mismatched tight end in the sense of size and speed is a good thing. Um and, the only way I can see him walking is so unlikely, and that is if a team offers him offers something for him in a trade. Because then the contract is off your hands, and him leaving, you're getting something for it. You're probably and I think whether Evan Ingram has a great year, a mediocre year, or a bad year, he's not a giant next year anyway. So if you get a trade, you're at least getting something for him. And remember, there's always a GM that's worse than yours. So, you know, again, he was named to the Pro Bowl. I mean, he has a high regard in this league. You know, we're all down on him for what happened last year, but there is some GM out there salivating and thinking he could be, you know, we can fix this guy. And we are trying to, you know, think outside the box, and they think they can rehabilitate him or something. So I would certainly be open to... I mean, I, when I say I think he'll be back, meaning we're not going to cut him. We're not just going to—he's not going to be a cap casualty at the end of the, you know of training camp. But I would definitely have my ears open if somebody wanted to make me a deal. I mean, someone wants to, you know, give me a first-round pick next year. I'm oh, not saying no. Oh God, yeah. no! First-round pick? Hell yeah! Yeah, he's yeah, gone. He's like, I'll pack his bags for him. I'll do. I'll someone, do his laundry. You know, whatever. 
someone offers a second round pick, you're still thinking about it. Oh yeah. Again, yeah. in a trade, you lose nothing. You just lose the player. Um, and I don't think Evan Ingram is that player that's a can't lose player. I think trading Leonard Williams is is not even comparable to letting go of Evan Ingram. Do you know what I'm saying? Like what the Jets did to lose Leonard Williams, they lost a player of substantial pedigree. It's not the same thing as losing Evan Ingram, who has not a Pro Bowl or not has never really been dominant at any level. He's had highlights, you know. Um, and and again, players around the league, coaches around the league, and within the Giants organization, I think all think more highly of Evan Ingram than we do, as as Giants fans. Um, and it makes no sense to get rid of Kyle Rudolph unless. His ankle or foot or whatever that injury is is you know worse than he claims, which he's said from the moment you know all, all the talk, all the all the you know news came through that he was now a giant and signed a contract and all that other stuff that that he's he will be available week one. Um, so you know maybe if training camp his injury situation is not doing any better, I could see him maybe going, but I I don't know. It just seems like. Yeah, I, I, I find it hard to believe that his injury is so bad and he knew nothing about it until the doctors checked him out that he won't be able to play this year. You know, Maybe he misses week one or two, but I just don't see it. What, what about you? Are you keeping or losing Kyle Rudolph? I think we're keeping him. I think, uh, I, again, I think all these... I think all these dominoes fall into place. I think starting with what happens with uh, with their decision on Ingram, right? I, I think if uh, they decide, I think the likelihood of him staying decreases if they keep Evan Ingram. I don't know. I think so. Let me let me let me rephrase the question. Yeah. We're uh, uh, instead of are you keeping him or losing him? I'm saying. Which one, if you had to pick of the four, are you most willing to let go of? Is it Kyle Rudolph? Is it Evan Ingram? Uh, I would say Kyle Rudolph. I'm still, I'm still giving Evan Ingram. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is it, yeah. is it Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, Caden Smith, or Levine Tololo? Which of those four are you the most willing to let go of? I'm keeping Caden Smith in that thing. I think Tololo, the age, the five years younger. That's a big, you know, we're still kind of in a little, in a rebuilding phase of this whole thing. And I'm, you know, if you're asking me, gun in my head, if I'm keeping one of the two, I'm keeping the younger guy and probably the cheaper guy. So I'm take, I'm keeping Caden Smith. Now, see, there, there is, um, there is a case to keep each one of these, right? Evan Ingram is your mismatch guy. He's your first round talent. He's a pro bowler. Kyle Rudolph is your veteran. He's also a first round talent. Um, he's been to Pro Bowls, I'm pretty sure. Um, Caden Smith was a huge part of the offense two years ago. He looked very promising. Huge. Uh, he was a he was used enough to want to keep him. He's 24. Um, I think he does everything pretty well. He runs routes pretty well. He blocks pretty well. He catches pretty well. Everything he does is pretty well. He doesn't have a major weakness anywhere. Levine Tololo is really tall. He just got his contract restructured. He's a good blocker. Um, and he didn't perform badly when he was on the field. So there's a case to be made for all of these. I think if it's me, it's also going to be Levine Toilolo. The dead cap hit of losing him is 650k. It's it's you know it's change. Um, and 
you know, he's 29. He doesn't offer much in the receiving game. I, I, I'm, I'm still going to hold, um, probably. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think what I'm looking at is, I'll leave it as an open competition between Caden Smith and Levine Toilolo, and even if it's a draw, I'm going to stay Caden Smith. But there's nothing that says. You know, if Levine Toilolo performs well enough in camp where I can definitively say that I like him more than than Caden Smith on my team, then I wouldn't have a huge problem with it. Would these you? are one of, these are one of these camp battles which we, we think about a lot more in July than we think about in October. <laughs> For sure, right? Like, well, we, yes and no. Right? So the, the the thing that's interesting is that think more about Caden Smith and Levine Toilolo when I say this. But those guys, those like those rounded not very special tight ends, they eventually become, you know, cornerstone pieces. I mean, uh, you think back to, like, Jake Ballard, Larry Donnell, you know, kind of, like, you can kind of develop tight ends when they come out of college, and it has to do with the fluctuation of the position. And a lot of guys who are tight ends, you know, they used to be wide receivers or something or, or running backs, and they just, they had the body size that was just better to be a tight end. Sometimes they're fucking quarterbacks, man. I mean, it's such a strange position for young people to grow into that I think a lot of times these guys develop when they're younger in the NFL. You know, we we see shit like that. And I think that Caden Smith is kind of that mold. Like, if you're feeling year after year, he's been here for a couple years now, it'll be like his third year here. Um, if you feel like he's steadily improving and he's still worth being on the team, whatever, I mean, like, that's a guy who is, yeah... Right now, he's a nobody, and it's 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 important because it's fifty three men on the roster. But it's like, it's that that seventh wide receiver. Are we worried about practice squad guy? Who's gonna who are we gonna keep? Who can't we afford to let go? Yeah, kind of a little bit like that right now. But in a couple of years, these guys do develop, and they can become something. So you don't want to let go of a young guy like that. Right, and Toyolo, when the season starts, he will be thirty. So expecting him to develop into something that he isn't right now is really asking a lot if it's even happened at all. Uh, yeah. And, and to me, so one thing that's important to remember, um, you know, I said last week and again, you know, earlier, uh, you know, whether you keep a fullback, whether you keep an extra tight end, whatever, just to cover what the Giants did last year is they went two quarterbacks, which is what we said we would do last week. We're, we're more comfortable with two quarterbacks in the roster um, they they had three running backs, they had a fullback, and they had four tight ends. So, so it's conceivable you can do that. And what did we do after um, the injury, the Barkley injury? How did we adjust that mix? Um, we initially brought in um, we brought in Devonte Freeman is one of the things that we did. Mm-hmm. But we didn't decide to pick up you know add another wide receiver to the mix. We we just. We, we, we kept the same mix of, of receiver to to running back to fullback to tight end. I think so. I mean, th- there was a lot of shuffling that happened early in the season because, remember, there was no preseason last year. So, you know, I'm outlining what they did last year. It's not a gospel to go by. Um, right. But it, it's, it's, just, it's just some level of measuring stick. You know, it's not, it's not the kind of thing that you want to, uh, you know say is a definitive way to do things but it's possible you know it, it is possible for the giants to run in there with two quarterbacks a fullback three running backs and four tight ends 
I think that they're going to shave it down to three, and I think Toy Lolo is going to be the one who, who goes. I honestly do think, but I can see a scenario in which those four stay, especially since, you know, Evan Ingram is kind of skating on thin ice. Mm-hmm. And would you rather... I, I don't know. I, I, I just... I don't know. But I, think, I think it's three. But when we're talking about the three slash four tight end, that's a guy you probably can get after cutdown day too, who might be available on the open market. We can pick up if we had to. We're not talking about we got we have to fill in a a, a starting tight end and like what are we going to do? So there is a little bit of flexibility with that that decision that it's not going to make or break the roster. A little bit, but there's some things to keep in mind. And we ran a lot of three tight end sets last year. Um, I think like second most in the league or something like that, maybe third most in the league, and three tight end sets. So, do you think that's also a function of not having much confidence in the offensive line and having all the rookies playing the offensive line that they wanted to it's maximize very, protection? It's so hard to tell because you know Jordan Rainon reported you know uh, in one sense or another that the entire offense kind of changed once Barkley went out. But you've already made that decision to set up an offense that's kind of short passes and run heavy anyway. So it's, it's really hard to tell what the the intention was when keeping guys and what was a reaction to Barkley being out and what was a reaction to Daniel Jones being... You know, just so many things with last year that's just a little specific. But I don't think there was anything wrong with the three tight end set that we were running. I, I think that, you know... Can we go back? Can, can we use uh, Jason Garrett's history with the Cowboys as any indication? Like, what did he... Usually have his in his mix because no because he he had that fucking Jason Garrett uh, uh, Jason Witten offense where you have your possession tight end you have your big wide receiver like Des Bryant or Terrell Owens before him and you know you run that kind of offense um, and they did not run a whole lot of three tight end sets. I, you know, I don't know if that's, but, but what I'm saying is I don't know if that's a, a product of, because that's what Jason Garrett had available to him, if that's because of Daniel Jones, if that's because of Saquon Barkley, if that's because of the wide receivers on the roster. There's so many things that can influence that decision, and one of them could be that's the offense that Joe Judge wants. I don't know. You know? Yeah. It's, it's a too small a sample size of just one year in a COVID year as, you know, evidence of whatever yeah, I, intention. I, I feel like like last year was just kind of a survival year. Like you know, we're trying to, we're trying to max protect as much as we can. You know, it's going to be close. To, and we saw, you know, that's why a lot of people are very frustrated with Jason Garrett so quickly. Was you know, this offense was like station to station offense, kind of, and you know, not opened up at all. And having you know three tight end sets kind of kind of will do that to you too. And I, I'm just curious if you know. We want to have an offense of what Dallas was like, and we'll get the personnel to fit it. And but we're still going to try to run it more than, you know, not relying so much on a, a, an offensive line that what couldn't be trusted last year, and Daniel Jones still trying to figure things out, not having the weapons to run what he wanted to do, protecting the all the turnovers that he, he was suffering at the time. I think a lot of it was just kind of offense self-preservation what we were running last year more than anything that Garrett wanted to and I think now that we have some more pieces that fit I think what he wants to do I think it'll be different so do you think they're going to roll with four tight ends or three I think they're going to roll with three okay I, I right. think I think from the the uh, the tea leaves they've been saying about what they're feeling about the offensive line I still, I still think all this goes back to the offensive line I think they have more and more confidence in what this offensive line can do in year two with 
a couple of these guys in, in a year being together in offseason. I don't think they're going to rely so much on those jumbo packages they had before for pass protection. And now that they have more weapons to throw to and a weapon, eventually they'll be able to run the ball more. They don't have to, you know, be so tight end specific and jumbo specific. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're, I think you're spot on. Um, I think, I think it is more to do with the offensive line and, and the question marks there. And, you know, these guys have been in the building with this offensive line last year, so they know more than we do, and they have more or less confidence in guys based on more up-close... Uh, I mean, the, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, what do they do in free agency? What do they do at the draft? You know... That's the, yeah, good point. I mean, they they have a confidence in it, you know, that and exactly your reason. They see it every day. They've seen this offseason what these guys, you know, if they're getting stronger, you know, during... You know, uh, mini camps, you know, is technique getting better? Are they gelling more as a unit together for things? And, um, again, they didn't spend super high draft picks on, on offensive linemen when, you know, the, the average fan was still concerned about it. They see something that we haven't seen. So actions are louder than words sometimes. Yeah, and, and again, that doesn't necessarily mean that we think it's a smart thing or that it may end up being the smart thing. It's just simply what it looks like they are thinking, you know? Uh, and they may be thinking correctly or not. But my point here is, if we roll two quarterbacks, we roll one fullback, we roll three running backs, and we roll out three tight ends, that means that last year, where the Giants on their 53-man roster had five wide receivers, they now have the leeway to have six. So, I mean, this is really on, on you and how you want to view this. Uh, I mean, me personally, I like the idea of six wide receivers. Uh, and, and part of that has to do with wide receivers all kind of have their own different skill sets. You know, there's there's many different kinds of wide receivers, obviously. That's this is very, very basic analysis. But also, um, I just feel that wide receiver injuries are just such a huge deal. And there's nothing wrong with having a guy in your practice squad or, you know, being able to call somebody up off the street and get him involved when when somebody's got a high ankle sprain or, or something for a couple weeks or some hamstring soft tissue bullshit but it's always better to have somebody in-house that already knows the playbook already has a spot you know they they know i mean there's no if you have the spot for it you might as well fill it with a six wide receiver in my opinion i mean i have in my notes i have multiple and freshness you know i i want you know to your point of guys have different skill sets and different roles, I like to be able to not just trot out the same three guys doing the same thing, thing over and over again in freshness where I don't have to have the same three guys always. I can kind of rotate guys in and out, keep these guys fresh for running their routes and, and, and being more effective. Um, you know, Last year we had five receivers and we struggled really to get five NFL quality receivers on the roster. Sometimes we had to pick up guys off the street. Now you're looking at five guys right off the bat. You just go Galladay, Tony, Shepard, Slayton, Ross. Right off the bat, there's five guys right there that, you know, you can pencil in for being on the roster. Now now the competition now between, you know, Dante Pettis or Austin Mack or someone, now you're actually having competition and as opposed to guys who are just going to be on the roster just because or – we're scrambling to get somebody in that roster spot. I, 
we're in a much, much better position than we were at this time last year. And these guys will all be contributors, not just bodies going out there. I mean, Garrett, again, got a lot of criticism for, you know, these guys running 10-yard little curls and that's it. Guys, we weren't very good last year. We have much better talent. We have much more speed. We have much more shiftiness, much more twitch. We have guys like Galladay, you know, who are take, – take, take the top off. You know, John Ross is faster than the wind. Can he catch? We'll see. But much more, much more quality, much more talent, much more potential, much more options than we did last year. So I think we're going to go six. You know, I think, like I said, I think the five guys already know who they are. We have a good competition for that six one is. You, you really nailed it because uh, I think it's important that we look back and just look at what was and what, what is. So what was last year, the five guys who made the 53-man roster were Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, C.J. Board, and Damian Ratley, which I had totally forgotten about Damian Ratley. This is literally a year ago, not even. Um, and now you look at it, Kenny Galladay is an alpha wide receiver that the Giants have not had since Burris, maybe, I I guess you could argue Beckham, um, yeah, I guess you could argue Beckham, but before that Burris, so we're talking about a long time, uh, Sterling Shepard is returning, another year older, another year less shifty probably, uh, Darius Slayton is returning, he's still young, he's still got that speed thing, so we're, I would say... Already better than last year because Kenny Galladay is an upgrade and the other two guys are just returning. And then Kadarius Tony, you know, I, I'm not sure where he fits among those four because he's a rookie and we haven't seen him against NFL teams and defensive coordinators, etc. But he's certainly above C.J. Board and Damian Ratley, and he also brings a totally different skill set than those two guys. C.J. Board's a possession receiver, and there's definitely a, a, a purpose for that on a roster, but... There are tons of possession receivers around the league, and some not in the league at all. You know, some are playing in fucking Canada. Some are, you know, you know what I mean? Like, they're around. Some have been cut and haven't been picked up, or maybe some are on practice squads. But there are not Kadarius Tonys just sitting around on the couch. It's a euphemism for, like, baseball, like a slap hitter. Well, he's a slap hitter. Mm -hmm. Great. There's a million of those guys. I need guys who hit home runs. And you know, driving driving runners and stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Kadarius Tony also will most likely be in special teams too as a you know a punt returner or something. So you know, God, that I gives hope him so. A, yeah. It, it really <laughs> feels like it's been like twenty years since this team had a punt returner. I mean, like really, when I think of the last great punt returner we had, and great is really stretching it. Dominic Hickson, Dwayne Harris probably is was probably better. They're not great. Neither one of them is great. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who can be potentially... This is a guy who's a potential to be like a Deshaun Jackson type of punt returner. That type of... Can make something out of nothing. Yeah, you know what's what's better, though? He's actually a better receiver than Deshaun Jackson. In terms of catching the ball and having a better route tree and just being better in general. Deshaun Jackson's just fast as hell. I think I think the Rodri is still a work in process with him. Sure. I, we, yeah. I saw amazing strides from him from his junior and senior year, but I'm not ready to say this guy comes with a fully polished, you know, you know, he's he's not uh, an elite top tier route runner just yet. But give him time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then 
I actually th- so you mentioned John Ross immediately, and John Ross was was taken by the Giants before the draft. Um, and you know the big thing with John Ross is always exactly as you said, he's faster than wind. Can he catch? I guess we'll see. So when you go out and you get John Ross, in my opinion, speed kills, right? You know, speed is always an asset. If he can't catch, you can make the argument, well, what good is he? I got him kind of cheap, you know? And speed, you know, we we throw around the idea of gimmick player and, you know, oh, the Giants drafted Kadarius Tony, he's just a gadget player. First of all, he's not. But second of all, there's nothing wrong with a gadget player. Picking one up for cheap off the scrap heap is not the same as drafting one in the first round. So I think that when they went out and got John Ross, obviously they don't know what's going to happen with the draft yet. Um, John Ross is that speed guy. And if he proves that he can't catch, you can at least run some end arounds with him. He can be a decoy. You throw him in motion. You send him deep anyway because someone's got to cover him whether he catches or not. You know, you get him anyway for cheap. Kadarius Tony isn't that guy, but Kadarius Tony does have the big speed. He's not as fast, but he's fast. You have, you have to respect speed. And you know, something even if, even as like a decoy, you know somebody, you know you have to respect that because guess what? If he is ten yards behind a cornerback, Nick Foles will catch that pass. Exactly, exactly. We're not asking this guy to catch, you know, you know, jump four feet in the air and, and within double coverage and catch these things. We don't need those kind of hands. But you know something? If they're not going to respect the speed and he gets gets loose, he's going to catch it. I mean, he's not, you know, doesn't have, uh, you know, hands of stone. So you you have to respect it. But my thinking is, you know, I was surprised they drafted Kadarius Toney. That tells me that they had planned on Kadarius Toney. He was high on their board, and they probably thought there was a pretty good likelihood they were going to get him. So I think this is all – I don't think they – had one plan for, for getting Ross, and all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, this guy fell into our lap. We're taking him, changing plans. I think this was all part of the plan all along, their plan. Um, see, I, I'm not trying to phrase it that way. I'm not trying to say that um, their plan was to get John Ross and then, oh, Kadarius Tony's here. Fuck it. It's more like, it, like I said, it's a cheap deal. He's available. You get the speed guy because I think their plan was Devontae Smith. And Devontae Smith is a good wide receiver. He's not that guy. He's not... Kadarius Tony and Devontae Smith are not the same kind of they're threat. Completely, they're completely different. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was really their plan. But the idea is that John Ross is expendable. They didn't spend a lot for him. He's not going to be a key part of whatever they're doing because he was speed. And if he proves he can catch, it's a bonus. He becomes part... Of, I mean, like, that's great. That's perfect. That's what we want. But if he doesn't, we only spent a little bit on him. Now... Kadarius Tony falls in your lap because Devontae Smith is gone when you go to pick and you trade down and now Kadarius Tony's right there. A guy who I also believe, like you said, he was high on their board, but still not their target. You know not their target, but I, I I definitely think he was always was their plan B. So I don't think he necessarily fell in their lap as opposed to, okay, that got scratched, get plan B going. Well no, right. but but what I'm saying is that when you get John Ross for cheap, it's insurance for if you don't get Kadarius Tony. And if oh, you do sure. get Kadarius Tony, then, then John Ross becomes an expense. So, again, 
like everything else that we're talking about here, it's going to be an open competition in camp. Some guys have a leg up, other guys don't, other guys are fighting uphill. But regardless, if John Ross goes out there and he's faster than everybody in the field, he catches everything thrown his way, he's making this team. But if he goes out there and he's the John Ross that we've seen year in, year out since he was drafted, he fails to come down with the ball when he needs to. And the drops are bad. This isn't just like, yeah, he has drops. This is They're bad. His his amount of drops per target is, is not good. Um, if he goes out there and he's exactly who we thought he was, it's okay. They can cut him loose and it's no skin off their back. That's what I'm saying, especially because Kadarius Tony was drafted. He's not going to get the same leash that Evan Ingram is getting, has gotten, and will get. And I just mentioned him, you know, talking about the tight ends where he's going to get like a fresh slate and, you know, we'll see what happens with him. If he doesn't show it in camp and and the preseason games, he probably will be gone. You know, you know, again, we also, I think it's also a product of what's that competition behind him also. You know, I, I said, you know, there's going to be a pretty good competition between like Pettis, CJ board, guys like that for that sixth spot. If it's a really tight competition and they are like neck and neck, and Ross has a poor, you know, preseason. Ross will be gone. They'll keep both of those guys instead. If there's one clear-cut winner over five versus six, um, or, or rather six versus seven, I think Ross will, will stay there and get his shot. I don't, think, I don't think Ross is competing with the bottom of the wide receiver tree, is what I'm trying to say. It's going to be, are you good enough, yes or no? If you can't do it, you're out. You're not going to be out beat. I don't need to be beaten out by one of the two behind him. That's interesting. That- so, so let's let's map this out real quick. Um, the four untouchables, right? Or, or you know, so on, so so called untouchables is Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, and Tony. Right? Those are the guys that were penciled in. Those are your starters. Those are the guys we want to win out anyway. Behind them is John Ross, Dante Pettis, C.J. Board. David Sills the fifth, Alex Bachman, Austin Mack, and Kelvin Benjamin. That's important to note. C.J. Board was on the team last year. David Sills was was I don't know if he ever made. I think he got hurt, but he was really impressing. Um, Alex Bachman I think was on the practice squad. Austin Mack played last year. Um, so those those guys that you guys might just brush off as being nobodies, they all were on track to play last year. Sills, Mack, Bachman, all of them, and Mack did play, and C.J. Board did play. You know, C.J. Board almost got the shit kicked out of him. He was left on a stretcher and still came back the next week, I'm pretty sure, or maybe two weeks later to play. You know, they, they didn't wave him injured or anything like that. Um, so I think it is kind of a much closer competition between, you know, Ross and, you know, for me, the bottom of that group is Mac. Kelvin Benjamin, I, don't, I can't even quantify, so I don't want to say that he's garbage or that he's got a shot or whatever. I, I really, truly, I have to see him because I haven't really looked – at a recent Kelvin Benjamin anything. And I, I don't think there's a way to get a clear picture until we start seeing some training camp shit and, and practice um, and preseason. But for me, I think that my penciled-in five and six is going to be Pettis, and it's going to be real close between Board and Sills. That's my that's my guess. And that is my guess as well. Really? Um, and, and again, you know, some of these guys are probably going to be on the practice squad again. Some of them are going to hit the streets and be called up when somebody's injured, move around a little bit. So, and and remember, the roster shaping for fifty-three man is so different 
now in the in the recent years where all the cuts are on one day and then you set up a 53-man roster and then the next day you've got like three people gone and three new people in. Yeah. So, you know, when I say shit like this, it kind of – when we're talking about those fifth and sixth guys at wide receiver, it doesn't really mean anything. It just means so, – so what- you know. So let me ask you something. So let's say a receiver who's making a halfway decent salary gets cut, and we we bring him in. We don't bring him in at that old number, right? We bring him in at, at what? Uh, whatever he signs to. If he gets cut, then he's just a free agent. Right. So so his, his old number is gone. So you, again, I hate to keep sounding like a broken record in some of these things, but again. That sixth guy may not be on this roster yet. I think it's, I think it's very likely that the sixth guy on week one won't be the sixth guy on the 53-man cutdown day. And it, a, a different sixth guy will be the week three guy. You know, so much changes in the first couple of weeks now because of the way they changed the cutdown. Well, let me ask you this, then. Let's, let's phrase this in a different way. Are you comfortable with any of these guys being the sixth guy? I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think... Uh, this isn't a situation like even last year where it's like I'm a little nervous with what we have. Well, let me phrase it this way. C.J. Board could easily be the sixth guy on this roster for wide receiver. He may not make it at all. He was the fourth guy last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're, getting, we're getting some bump downs, and I feel much more comfortable with him. And again, the, the, sixth, the sixth receiver, you know, it's kind of like almost like your backup quarterback a little bit where – you know, you you, you you want to make sure you have somebody there that's capable, but if you're relying on him, there's, there's some issues. I mean, if he the sixth guy is part of the rotation, you know, he's not going to be somebody's going to be targeted 12 times a game. But you want to make sure that when he is targeted, he's capable. Yeah. And I feel much more comfortable with him in that capable role as the sixth guy than if you're the fourth guy, you're expected to be a producer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're the first guy off the bench if somebody's hurt. If you're running four wide, you know, you're you're that you're part of the play. So yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, like I said, Kelvin Benjamin, I can't even quantify, but I think the guy who has the longest shot is probably, um, probably. I, I don't, Benjamin. Yeah, I, I guess it is Benjamin, right? <laughs> I, I would think so. I mean, I think. That sounds like something that's uh, like that's doing a solid for somebody, and uh, you know, maybe to help him to get some tape somewhere else. Well, also, is Benjamin? I mean, is he wide receiver? Is he tight end? Is how he, uh, how are they going to use him? Yeah, is he a left tackle <laughs> at this point? <laughs> wow, nice, nice right there. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Is I think it, I think this is an organization, you know, doing a solid for a guy to give him some reps and give him some tape that other teams may need, and. It doesn't hurt to have seven, eight, nine guys in camp to, you know, for, for, uh, you know, for reps during drills to have them play in the, you know, the third quarter of the third preseason game. It doesn't hurt at all. So there's really no harm, no foul for having a guy like that in there. You know, they'll know right away if he's just not to NFL standards, he'll be gone very quickly. He might retire or something really fast. And if not, you know, until they have to really make a decision, they again. These guys talk like executives from all these teams. It's not, it's not as garden as quiet as you think it might be. You know, they, they'll say things. Like, you know, yeah, this guy. You know, we just don't have a space for him. You know, he's not bad. They, they put a good word in or something for him. So maybe this might be 
just doing him again, like I said, a solid to help him for his next real place he might stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I just don't, I just don't see it on this team. No, I don't either. I mean, I just don't see the space. I mean, we just went through there, and I just listed guys who were probably going to make the roster last year, and for one reason or another got hurt or you know, got elbowed out by some other problem uh, or numbers game. I mean, they only had five fucking wide receivers last year. 2020, different story. Yeah, but exactly. Not, not this year. Um, so that's it. That's it for this episode. We're going to move on to offensive linemen next week. Yeah. As we continue. Offensive line. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's a, that's going to probably have as much conversation and, and discussion as any, any unit, I think, because that really is going to make or break, I think, this team next year, this year uh, coming up. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we can talk to the cows come home about Daniel Jones's development and having all these new toys to deal with. You know, well, who's our sixth receiver? You know, how many tight ends? If the guy still doesn't have the time to throw and there's no holes to run, you know, behind, it's all moot. Yeah, So exactly. we'll be covering that pretty in a lot of detail. Um, and this weekend, the Cranky Fan and I are fishing against each other. Um, the, the competition continues, whether it's going to be him or me or our wives or girlfriends whoever gets the most fluke onto the boat on this trip wins the bragging rights cup i guess we'll call it let's be honest ladies and gentlemen (laughs) the new york football giants are important but nothing is as important as the year bragging rights and i'm going to issue a challenge right now to the grub i am guaranteeing that I will catch a bigger fluke than you. Okay, that's a separate yeah. competition, but I like that side bet, the side hustle. Yes, uh, the side hustle. I will catch a larger fluke than you, and I will back that up by the loser has to buy the winner drinks at the Jameson Room. Okay. For week one. You're on. Week two. Okay. And week three. You're you're on. You're on. Also, are there sharks in the uh, Long Island Sound? I don't know, but we will not be fishing in the Long Island Sound, so no. it doesn't really matter. Oh, that's we'll, right. We're not in the Sound. We'll be in the, we will be in the Great South Bay. Yeah. So for all of our loyal listeners, if you want to go stand on the dock and watch us fish <laughs> next Saturday, <laughs> there are viewing locations set up at Captree, Jones Beach, Robert Moses State Park, Smith Point, and Montauk uh, Point. I'm sure you guys don't want that but the the point I'm making is uh, you know might just uh, you know karate kick somebody off a boat at some point you know it's always a possibility if there's sharks you know who knows you know I like that special bourbon that that, um, that Jameson (laughs) they have that you know that that reserve one they have yeah the top top shelf one they have so just start saving your nickels up right now for that (laughs) yeah uh, I, that's okay. You'll catch the bigger fish, and then I'll sell all the other fish that I caught onto the boat and uh, use that money to fund your, your side hustle, your side that'd action. Be, bit. That'd be very nice of you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and then also coming up, we have a bonus episode where we talk about uh, sports movies with Bobby and Justin from Talking Giants. So that is also upcoming as well. We'll have more information on that once it's recorded and edited and all that stuff. So... To find out when all that stuff's going to happen, be sure to follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump, where in addition to talking about this show, I'm talking about the Giants and football in general. 
catch me at the Cranky Fan, where this week, unfortunately, I won't be winning any championships. But uh, I still have a baseball team that is in playoff contention, unlike you Yankee fans who do not. Uh, you know, we're talking about, I don't know, getting ready for football season. Let's talk Giants. Let's talk Gator football. Let's talk Rays baseball. Let's talk about all the teams that I hate, and I can tell you how you're all crazy. Let's talk about the teams we love together and you and me against the world. So, <laughs> at the Cranky Fan. Let's also make fun of the Grump, who's going to get his ass whipped fishing this coming Saturday. Yeah, uh-huh. Keep it coming. We'll see. We'll you, see. You can, you can be on Team Cranky. It's fine. I, you know. <laughs> Look, I'm going to be doing a lot of, uh, you know, Googling on how to be a better fluke fisherman. So, better bring your A game. Why don't you just do a Google search on a fish market where you can buy some fish for dinner? Hey, or better yet, why I just show up just... within my pockets and just throw it on the boat? Like, oh my god, another one, huh? Well, you can <laughs> also look up uh, Domino's.com to see if they deliver dinner to your house because I have a feeling that if you're if you're laying on this fishing trip to uh, feed you and, and, and the lovely uh, <laughs> Mrs. Grump, I'd look into the. Uh, the, the, the 5.99 special. I, I don't have to worry about that because you'll be paying for it. So that's, that's fine. It's very very generous of you. Keep it coming. <laughs> all right, everyone. We will see you all next week. Go, Go Giants. Giants.